listening to Breast Cancer Connection, where we connect you with breast cancer experts on what you need to know to navigate your experience. Hello, I'm Kathy Amendalea, and today we're talking about overcoming roadblocks and common barriers that patients may face when going through their breast cancer experience. We'll also be providing practical tools on how to overcome these barriers and what it means to self-advocate. Today, we're going to speak with our guest expert, Nia Chari. Nia is the Director of Health Policy and Public Affairs here at the Canadian Breast Cancer Network. I have worked with Nia for over a decade and in this time have watched her help countless patients and families as they try to overcome challenges within the health system. Nia, thank you for joining us today. I'm so glad that you will be able to share your knowledge and insights with our listeners. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So we're going to start off with understanding some of the most common issues that patients and families reach out to you about. And then we'll continue by discussing some of the solutions and supports available. So some of the common issues that we face, probably the most common, is accessing medications that aren't covered by the Canadian public health care system. A lot of patients have had concerns with their private insurance and not being able to pay for medications through using their employer-based coverage. We also have had patients contact us about issues beyond their treatments, uh, including things like their uh, issues with their employers or their private insurance for taking additional time off to recover from breast cancer treatment and surgery. As well, we had patients who have contacted us about their financial impact of breast cancer and how to navigate all the additional costs that come beyond just treatment uh, and, and recovery, but beyond that as well, including things like childcare um, and having to pay for travel and transportation to their appointments and just all of the other financial impacts of a breast cancer diagnosis. And then there's also things like accessing genetic testing for uh, people with familial histories of breast cancer, as well as accessing breast cancer surgery and reconstruction. And finally, also looking at just how the healthcare system is transforming and evolving with new uh, regulations and new approval processes. A lot of patients have a difficult time navigating that system as well. And then, of course, most recently, we've been dealing a lot with patients who are coming to us about concerns related to the pandemic um, and the import, you know, the need for our healthcare system overall to be strengthened uh, and be more resilient so that patients aren't feeling impacts of things like delayed surgeries and delayed uh, appointments um, and things like that and, and the ripple effects of that. So we're, we're seeing patients coming to us with a wide number of concerns. Okay. So as we could all understand, there's a lot that is involved when you're speaking about the meaning of advocacy and all that it entails. So uh, let's start by uh, discussing some of these. Let's unpack some of these issues and uh, we can learn to understand what patients can do. So we can begin with the topic of accessing medication, which we all know can be a big hurdle for some patients. And it can end up being very costly, very stressful to have access so could you speak a little more about this specific issue and what patients can do to address this? 
Absolutely. So this is one of the biggest issues that we at CBCN really work on. Um, we have always encountered patients who have had trouble, you know, accessing drugs that are not covered provincially. So as people may or may not know, the provinces are the ones that are responsible for uh, reimbursement of drugs. So when you go to the hospital or you're taking at-home medications, it's usually the province that picks up that tab for cancer patients in particular. And many of the new treatments um, that are coming out in the market and that are available and that are uh, many of them, you know, targeting both the metastatic and early stage community of patients, many of these drugs are take a long time to go through the very complex Canadian healthcare drug approval system. And while it's going through these very long processes, there are patients on the other end who are waiting for, for access, being able to access those treatments, and they just aren't covered in the province. So that's one of the key issues that CBCN has really taken on because so many patients are in that boat of needing a medication, being told that this is the medication that would be the most benefit for them, but then they're not able to, to access it because the province hasn't yet added it to their list of drugs that they will pay for. So some of the issues that we as CBCN are, are, you know, really tackling through this is, you know, we have developed patient support resources, um, things like our med search tool, which is a tool that patients can use to find out which drugs are available, not only in their province, but across Canada, and then also where it's actually av uh, available in, in the country and what the status of it is. So where it's at in the approval process. And this is just a tool that we developed so that to make this process more transparent and not such a black hole of information for patients who are looking for, for access to a drug. So that's one of the tools that CBCN has developed. There's also other programs that are available for patients who are looking to access treatments. So things like drug access navigators, social workers within the cancer care system who can help with referrals for patients. There's also things like patient support programs that are organized by the industry or the drug plan manufacturers who will then take those uh, treatments and offer, you know, patients support and financial assistance to get access to those treatments and sometimes even uh, reimburse patients completely for, for a certain treatments. There's also um, other pieces as well. So clinical trials are another way that patients can try to get access to treatments. There's always clinical trials happening across the country. It's just about, again, navigating that system of, of access to get access. But many patients don't even know that those clinical trials are available um, to them and that they might be able you know, there's also many patients that have to end up using things like GoFundMe or crowdsourcing and doing uh, at-home fundraisers to pay out of pocket for, for their treatments as a sort of last resort to get access to a treatment that they really, really need. And I think overall, the most important thing for patients is to know their options, right? That's, that's the role of an organization like CBCN is to provide patients upfront with that information so that they don't have to go looking too far to find that information, but to know what all their treatment options are. And I think that's really the role that we play as an organization is to help patients be informed and then also to, you know, be able to have a very informed and educated conversation with their healthcare team and their healthcare providers about what their treatment options are. Because I think many patients are not even aware of what is available to them for their specific type of cancer. Thank you, Nia. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, steps that patients can take to try and address these specific issues. 
especially when they're trying to access medication. But the question is, should they have to? When they're already trying to deal with a very serious diagnosis, it becomes so cumbersome for them to think about all these issues and at the same time trying to deal with a new diagnosis. So I think the short answer to that essentially from my perspective would be no, patients shouldn't have to know all the information and they shouldn't have to, you know, learn all the intricacies and nuances of the drug approval regulatory and regulatory system. So I think the system ideally should be there for patients when they need it um, and the patient should be able to go to their appointment and be confident that they're going to be presented with all their treatment options. But I think until we get to that you know, get to that ideal place, you know, that's why organizations like CBCN really exist, because we are trying to focus and advocate for that type of systemic change to get that the system to a place where it is really responsive and just there for the patient without the patient having to do all this work to navigate it themselves. But the reality of the situation is, is that right now our healthcare system is just not in that place. So, so unfortunately, the burden does fall on a patient to, to to then navigate the system for themselves. Um, and so we're trying to provide, you know, information to patients to be able to um, give them that, that ability to navigate the system. But then we're also simultaneously at CBCN uh, working to advocate to change the system to be there for patients and their families. And one of the ways that we do that is by incorporating the patient voice um, throughout all the work that we do, but particularly in the work that we do to health technology assessment bodies. And so health technology assessment bodies are uh, agencies that essentially are responsible for reviewing treatments uh, that are new and coming into the market, and then looking at what the benefit is, both in terms of the clinical value for patients, but also looking at it through an economic lens to see if it makes sense uh, for provinces to actually fund and pay for the drug. And so they make recommendations to the provinces who pay for the treatment about whether a drug is of good value or not. And that definition of value can be really different when you're looking at it from a health system perspective, like if you're if you're within um, the provincial body that's responsible for funding the drugs, you're looking at it from an economic lens. Whereas if you're a patient or a family member of a patient, you're looking at it in terms of the value that it can provide for the patient. And so that's really what we do at CBCN is we collect the data from patients and their clinicians directly, and we give that information to these health technology assessment review bodies in, in our patients patient submissions. And so we really try to convey on each individual treatment what the patient perspective is, what is of importance to a patient, you know, versus the economic sort of review that these provinces are really looking at it from. So we we take out the financial piece to it and instead talk about the access, the what that access means and what the value of that treatment means. Because a clinical figure will tell you that a drug can give you a three-month benefit over 
the standard of care option in Canada, but it doesn't tell you what that three months really means to a patient. It doesn't tell you that the pay for the patient three months, you know, may not seem substantial to someone who's looking at it from an economic sense. But when you look at it from the perspective of a patient and what that means for them to spend more time with their family, to have a better quality of life, and to in many cases to get them to their next treatment, that's what we try to convey to these health technology assessment bodies. That, that the value of a treatment to a patient means so much more than just what the clinical evidence says. Okay, well, that's, that's a lot to learn from. So I would say that for the most part, HTA is something that most individuals are not aware of. And these processes are known to us, but to the regular population, it's something all new to them. And they don't even understand that they can, you know, access these uh, bodies to get their to get their needs met. So, would you say that the doctor's role or the the medical team has an important role to play when patients are uh, first being diagnosed? And do you think that's being handled properly? So I think that uh, the doctor absolutely has an important role to play. And I think it's important also for the patient to be able to, you know, uh, speak to the doctor and have, you know, share in the decision making about what their treatments will be and what what course of action. And I think most oncologists do their best to to have that shared decision making within their uh, conversations with the patient. But it's so important for the patient to feel that they also have a, not only a stake, but also have a stake in the decision making around what the best option is for them. Okay, that's a little more clear for patients. So definitely, that sounds like a pressing issue for most patients. You also highlighted a couple of challenges when dealing with private insurance. Could you share a little more about what patients who have private insurance and who are having issues with the coverage or extended sick leave, what can they do to get what they need when they're met with these roadblocks? So patients can do have a number of options available to them to sort of challenge a decision that's been made by a private insurance uh, company on behalf of their employer. So one of the things that they can do is that there is an appeals process that is included in, in every private insurance uh, coverage will have an appeals process. And so patients can use that process to challenge the decision that's been made uh, and, and to submit new evidence or, or additional supportive documents to to make their case for why their treatment should be covered. Now, the appeals process is something that many patients aren't necessarily aware that that they have, and it it actually has quite a low uptake in terms of within the private insurance environment. Most people don't end up challenging the decisions. Um, So that is something that is open to patients and that patients should be aware is an option for them if their treatment has been denied. Another thing that a patient can do depending on their comfort with doing so, is speaking to their HR department. Because something that many people don't uh, necessarily understand is that your uh, coverage is actually determined by your employer and not the private insurance company itself. And so by speaking to your employer, you can potentially get them to intervene on your behalf, um, speaking to your HR department if you have one, um, but but really accessing anyone at your employer who is in charge of drug plan uh, management to get them to intervene on your behalf and ask them to 
get the insurance provider to cover your treatments. Those are both options that patients have. And finally, there is actually an ombudsman for health insurance in Canada um, and for private insurance that patients can contact if they feel that the decision that was rendered by their private insurance company is not one that they agree with. And so there is also a process to reach out to the ombudsman and contact them to intervene on your behalf. So there are some options for patients that they may not be aware of that are available to them to challenge private insurance decisions. So those who uh, want to appeal, do they have a place that they can access this uh, information and, you know, how to contact these bodies? So essentially, that would be in any type of uh, drug plan brochure or pamphlet that you have. It really depends on your individual private insurer. Um, but every you know insurance company has an appeals process and that information should be available on their website or by contacting them directly through their service line. In what we've discussed so far, I'm hearing that the financial impact of breast cancer diagnosis comes up over and over again. What can patients and families do to manage this financial impact? And can you describe what the financial impact could be to some families? So many families, about 90% of breast cancer patients experience a negative financial impact. And so much of this is often delivered through things like associated costs, with treatment and recovery, um, things like childcare, things like loss of wages when you're working, or transportation costs, or even parking, can all add up when patients are are going to multiple appointments and and trying to manage their treatment. Uh, and their diagnosis. And so these costs can all add up to create a significant financial burden. And then when you add in on top of that, things like treatment costs with trying to access a new treatment that's not being covered by your private insurance or your employer, then it becomes much more complicated and much more burdensome as well. And so we've seen this a lot from a lot of the patients that we've worked with. And one thing that many patients are not aware of is that there are local and national supports available to them to help alleviate some of that financial burden. This includes things like government programs, community programs, uh, and local and regional programs as well that exist to support families and patients that are going through this type of financial difficulty. CBCN has also created a a tool called Financial Navigator, which is a comprehensive database of all the financial resources that exist in Canada for and that are available to patients and their families. Um, And so you can find this on CBCN's website. And we're just trying to make this information more accessible to patients um, in terms of how to overcome some of these associated costs uh, with a cancer diagnosis. Thank you very much for that, Nia. So let's discuss a little bit about questions around genetic testing, genomic testing, and how patients can access these tests. Can you speak a little bit more about this and take us through the difference between a genetic testing and a genomic testing? So I think that's the first piece is is really making that distinction between the two. And and this is a term that's quite confusing, even for people working in the industry. And so when we talk about genetic testing, what we're typically referring to and what has historically been referred to in breast cancer as 
testing to see if you have a hereditary basis for your breast cancer. Um, or if this is a test for to see if, if breast cancer essentially runs in your family. And so the treatment options and, and the decisions around um, how to treat the breast cancer when it has a when a genetic test is confirms that there's a family history is very different than some of the, the treatment options that you might be faced with if you're undergoing genomic testing. So genomic testing is testing for essentially of your tumor. So it's taking a sample of your tumor and testing uh, it to see if there are any mutations that exist within your tumor that could then be targeted in terms of your treatment. And that's the real distinction between the two. Genetic testing is often done, I, I like to think of it as it's done on the individual and the genomic testing is done on the tumor. So that's sort of one way to sort of distinguish between the two. Beyond that, this is something genomic testing is quite new in Canada and genetic testing has been around for quite a while, but genetic testing is not always covered uh, completely through the public health system. So some patients do qualify and are eligible uh, to be tested genetically, but some are not. And in terms of genomic testing, it's very inconsistent across the country. So that some patients are able to access genomic testing of their tumor, and some patients are not. And that's just because the genomic testing piece is still quite new to Canada. So it's still evolving and, and people are still learning how to access it. And so there are a lot of options for patients to pay out of pocket for genetic testing. There are companies like Invitae or Color, and they have actual genetic counselors who can walk you through your results. Um, and so that is one way for a patient to be able to access genetic testing if they're concerned about um, their familial history. There's also, uh, CBCN also has a number of webinars um, and a Q&E series on, on genetic and genomic testing uh, that patients can access on our website if they're interested in learning more about it. And then beyond that, you know, CBCN as an organization is also working on a, the Beat Cancer Coalition that's aiming to broaden access for genomic testing across Canada for patients and, and get it enabled so that more patients are able to benefit from it. And finally, we also have some advocacy guides, which are resources on how patients can self-advocate to get access to both genetic testing and genomic testing, since it is so important uh, going forward in terms of helping patients to make decisions about their treatments. Thank you, Nia, for helping us understand these terms. For our listeners, if you want to learn more about them, check out our next podcast episode. So, Nia, in addition to accessing medication, earlier you had mentioned that patients sometimes have challenges accessing the type of surgery or reconstruction that they're looking for. Can you elaborate on that and some possible solutions to these challenges? Absolutely. So we have many patients who who experience, you know, not being able to access the type of surgery that they want. So whether that's a mastectomy or a lumpectomy, uh, it's, you know, we believe that it's a patient's right to choose. And so we've developed some advocacy guides around this so that patients can have access, learn about how to uh, self-advocate for themselves to access the type of surgery that they want. So whether they want a lumpectomy or they want a mastectomy, this will enable them to do some advocacy for themselves to ensure that they're getting the surgery that is best for them and meets their needs. 
we also have heard a lot from patients about reconstruction and what they need to look for in terms of being able to access that. And really that's in terms of looking for a surgeon that performs that type of reconstruction. So there is a certain amount of work and research that is needed on the part of the patient to ensure that they're getting the right uh, surgery for themselves. And CBCN has resources that patients can use and information on our site to help patients make that decision for themselves. Thank you. So we're almost at the end of our time today, but before we go, if you could leave our listeners with one key piece of advice that would help them get the best care, what would it be, Nia? Really, it would be to self-advocate. No one is knows your diagnosis or what it feels like to live with the cancer better than the patient. And so you are your best resource. You know what your priorities are, and you should be the leader in your own care. And so that's really the philosophy that underlines all the work that CBCN does, is that the patient is the most knowledgeable about their disease and their lived experience. And so that should be informing every aspect of healthcare, including uh, the patient's desire to to get the best treatments and the best surgeries and the best uh, care for themselves. My main message to any patient is self-advocate for yourself because you are the expert in your disease. Thank you, Nia. I know this area of discussion will be extremely helpful to our listeners. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for sharing your expertise with us on this episode of Breast Cancer Connection, and thanks again for your time. For information and resources discussed today, take a look at our episode show notes and visit cbcn.ca to learn more. You can also find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and join us next time for another episode of Breast Cancer Connection.